CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hello and welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. I'm your host, Tony Levitt. So last week we had to postpone the Big Ten summer check-in because Under Armour and McCour McCour made big moves that we had to address right away. So today I've got a great conference preview with you with Sam Webb from the Michigan Insider. The Big Ten was the best basketball conference in the country last year, and there is a ton to dig into for the 2020-2021 season. But of course, all of that is contingent on there actually being a season. Now, you might have noticed that this podcast has been incredibly light on the coronavirus coverage, since those first couple episodes in mid-March, and that's by design. I'm not an insider, I'm not a reporter, and we've got a ton of those on the masthead at 24-7 Sports. So I've deferred to experts like Brandon Marcello and Chris Hummer on the written side, and the College Football Daily on the podcast side. And if you're not reading or subscribed to the College Football Daily, I strongly encourage you to do so. And truthfully, the vast majority of hard-hitting information that has come out as it relates to college sports, has either been towards non-revenue sports that have sadly been cut, or on the football side, which is kind of outside the parameters of this show. But this week, we finally have two concrete pieces of information that directly impact college basketball show, and I want to think through those two revelations with you before we get to the Big Ten preview. So first, on Wednesday, the Ivy League announced that it would be canceling all fall sports, and then clarified that it would not be playing sports at all during the fall semester. Then, yesterday afternoon, that's Thursday for all you guys listening next week, and you should really be subscribed so you can get it right away. Then yesterday afternoon, we heard that the Big Ten will be canceling all non-conference football games, and that the other Power 5 conferences are likely to follow suit. The Ivy League news is much more obviously impactful for college basketball. The college basketball season starts in November, and this means that in one way or another, the Ivy League will be missing part of the basketball season. I've seen experts suggest that the Ivy League could start games as soon as December, when winter break begins, or that they would follow the Big Ten's idea for football and play exclusively conference games. Whichever they choose, both options mean that the Ivy League will not have a regular season in terms of basketball. Now, this isn't the Big 12 or even the AAC we're talking about, but the Ivy League is a top-half league, and they produce some good basketball. The Ivy League hasn't won a game in the NCAA tournament since 2016 in that famous game between Baylor and Yale. Uh, A rebound is when you grab a missed shot with your hands and safely return to the floor. You should check out that video if you haven't seen it. It's really good. So, But the Ivy League champion, even if they haven't won in the past couple years, the Ivy League champion is often a popular upset pick come tourney time, and it's a league with a storied tradition. So to see them canceling part of the season is unsettling, at least. And on top of that, many people have already astutely pointed out that the Ivy League was ahead of the curve back in March, and that this might lead to other conferences following suit soon. 
In fact, that article already exists in a number of places as it relates to our second revelation, that the Big Ten canceled non-conference football games, perhaps with the knowledge that they wouldn't be the first conference to cancel games in the back of their minds. Brendan Marcello has reported on 24-7 Sports that the Ivy League's decision to cancel fall sports did not have any direct impact on Power 5 decision-making, but it's hard to detach the two when they come on back-to-back days. But for me, the Big Ten's decision to cancel non-conference games is far more telling for the broader NCAA basketball project, and here's why. There is a value statement underlying the decision to close ranks around the 14 Big Ten member schools. The Big Ten is saying, we trust these member institutions to meet our testing and safety guidelines and protocols. And that's why the Big Ten will allow Iowa to travel 774 miles to State College, Pennsylvania, and not 137 miles to Ames, Iowa. As much as Iowa Senator Charles Grassley is sad to see the Cyhawk game canceled, Penn State is Big Ten, and Iowa State is Big 12. You'll notice that until now, I haven't mentioned the NCAA at all, just conferences. And that's because the NCAA doesn't really have power over the conferences to make decisions for them. All they really have is the college football playoff. I haven't seen much writing about this yet, but the working assumption is that for just the four or potentially eight teams in the college football playoff, the NCAA and the teams will work out a solution to safely work out the duration of the playoff. But on the basketball side, the NCAA doesn't have even close to that luxury. Whether or not the conferences decide to adopt conference-only schedules for basketball, as they did in football, the NCAA tournament is a messy free-for-all waiting ominously at the end of the season. The college football playoff as currently constructed involves four teams, and every team who has made the college football playoff thus far has been from a Power 5 conference. In other words, a conference with the ability to test aggressively in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. But the NCAA tournament invites teams from 32 different conferences, by design. 32 conferences with wildly different budgets and wildly different health policies as it relates to COVID-19. Look at the testing policies for the Ohio Valley Conference and compare those to the testing policies for the Big Ten. It costs over $100 to test a person for COVID-19. Simply put, the Ohio Valley champions could never afford to spend anywhere close to the level that the Big Ten champs or their at-large selections will have come time for the NCAA tournament. Here's the honest truth. I'm not an insider or a reporter, but I'm the son of a math teacher, and I am proud to say I can carefully put two and two together and get four. Mark Emmert and the NCAA have been able to kick the can down the road for the first four months of COVID-19. They followed the conferences and pro sports when canceling basketball tournaments and spring sports, and they've stayed pretty quiet since. For the most part, they'll be able to continue the silence on the football side as well. But with the most complicated part of the basketball season happening under their watch, that will be the moment when the NCAA and Mark Emmert are truly tested. Now don't misconstrue this as me saying that the NCAA tournament won't happen. The 24-7 Sports reports that the NCAA tournament is in jeopardy. That's not what I'm saying at all. But in order to get there, the NCAA is going to have to step up in a major way. That's what I take away from the Big Ten's decision to go conference only. Alright, so with today's current event news out of the way, let's stick with the Big Ten and head over to the preview I did with Sam Webb from the Michigan Insider right after this. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on 
It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. And we're back, 24-7 sports, college basketball show. Big time summer preview coming up. Big Ten, the reigning number one conference in the country, according to Ken Palm. And we've got a special guest back on the show to break it down with us. We got Sam Webb from the Michigan Insider here to break it down for us. And Sam, I just told you this off air for the listeners. I was trying to figure out who I was going to have on to preview, do a summer breakdown of the Big Ten. And then I listened to you and Tim McCormick break down the Big Ten coaches. And I said, I'm going to call Sam up. And you were kind enough to come on the show. How's it going? It's going great, Tanny. How's it going for you? You know, uh, I'm I am anxious uh, about there not being sports, and also apprehensive that you know we're putting people, you know, we could potentially be putting people in a situation that's uh, complicated for them. Um, but I am excited to be doing summer previews and and you know kind of look ahead towards a season that hopefully will end up being able to happen. And to talk about the Big Ten, which is certainly my my favorite conference as a as a Maryland fan, and I know you who covers Michigan, this should be fun. So Kevin uh, had. I'm just going to start right at the top. Kevin Flaherty in his article, which everyone should check out at 247sports.com. He had the top three. He had Iowa, Wisconsin, and Michigan State. And for me, these teams are the guys with a ton of returning talent. And I know everyone has their eyes on Iowa, especially with Luca Garza. And we'll get there in a second. But I wanted to start with Wisconsin. And and I I want to start there for two reasons. One, because I I was doing a bit of research and I noticed that Torvik, Bart Torvik, uh, a website and a guy who projects out the entire season stats, has Wisconsin number one in the country, which definitely caught my attention. And on your coaching uh, preview, uh, you mentioned that this is the first time that Greg Gard really has his own team. And so I was curious your thoughts about this upcoming Wisconsin season, what you think is special about them. Yeah, I, I to bring people up to speed on what I was talking about, um, you know, Bo Ryan was such a such a huge figure in Big Ten coaching. Think about think about the coaches in the Big Ten from 2010 to 2020. Ten, you're a Big Ten fan, and you can go back over the you know the annals of Big Ten history and point out eras where you had great coaches, right? You in back in the days where you had, you know, Bob Knight and Judd Heathcote and Gene Cady and Dr. Tom Davis and Lou Henson. I mean, you had, you had guys in, in, in coaching, some of the best coaches in the country right here in this conference. But I'd argue that from 2010 to 2020, when you're talking about Tom Izzo, Bo Ryan, John Beeline, Thad Mata, Matt Painter, I think that as time goes on, you might you might look back and say this was 
This this might have been the golden era of of Big Ten coaching of coaches uh, from from this conference and and a conference that's had great coaching. So it's no small thing when you take over for a guy like Bo Ryan, who had taken that program and certainly, uh, you know, Dick Bennett had had made it a a program that that had some regard and renown here in the conference. Bo Ryan took it and made it nationally relevant. And so for Greg Gard to come in and put his own stamp on it, it was going to take time. And I just felt like the first couple of years with, with, with Greg Gard, it was, you know, that it was not, it was hard to see where, where Bo Ryan stopped and, and Greg Gard started until this past season. And you really saw with all the adversity that they had to go through uh, that when you think about in the offseason, you know, a tragic accident which occurred right here uh, in the in the state of Michigan, assistant coach Howard Moore, uh, his wife and daughter died in that crash. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, in a, a very trying circumstance for the entire Wisconsin family as they wrap their arms around him. So to get to something more trivially, you know, thinking about a team having to deal with that, then you get into the season, Tanny. And, you know, I felt like there was a point in the season where you could point to Wisconsin and, and leave them for dead. It was when it was when Brad Davison got suspended for one of the thousand dirty plays he's had <laughs> in his big Ten career. Right. And then Kobe King transferred and Kobe King, he program, made some accusations. Yeah. Some accusations against, uh, you know, some of the one of the staff members there and Michigan State number one team in the Big Ten is coming to town. And I'm thinking Wisconsin's going to get dusted and they win that game. They win that game without, you know, arguably their two best players, all the adversity they had in the offseason. They were off to the races from that point on. So you could really see Greg Gard in that moment putting his stamp on that team. And you look around and you look look to them for this year. Yeah, you know, everyone's back. I mean, they they play without Kobe King, so I'm I'm not counting that as a loss. Everyone's back but Brevin Pritzel. And so now you look at it, you got shooting all across the, the court. You got a, a team that has established some chemistry. You know, Micah Potter was one of the revelations in the in the Big Ten. I just think between the coaching and the versatility, the shooting from five positions on the court. Wisconsin is not just one of the best teams in the Big Ten, Tanny. They're one of the best teams in the country. Yeah, absolutely. Eight out of their last 10 games to close out the season last year were W's for Wisconsin Badgers, including a game that you didn't mention. I'm a little surprised when you're talking about overcoming adversity. They're down in the last 10 <laughs> seconds to Maryland, somehow uh-huh. turned Maryland over, inbound the ball, yeah. hit a game-winning three to hit the to, to win the game, and that ended up basically winning them a share of the Big Ten title. And, well, how I about mean, coming to Ann Arbor? They came to Ann Arbor and beat Michigan in Chrysler. <laughs> That was they, another they, big one. They, they played everybody and won at the end of the year. Solid recruiting class, number four in the Big Ten, number 29 nationally. And with all that talent coming back, not to mention some in, in, uh, interesting talent coming in, Wisconsin Badgers, watch out. Number one for Torbick, number two for Kevin Flaherty. Let's move on, though, to Iowa because, you know, everyone has their attention on Iowa. Luca Garza in all likelihood is going to come back from the NBA draft to be what in all likelihood the consensus preseason national player of the year. I mean, he did it all last year. Iowa though, for Torvik, fifth in the Big Ten. And the question for me is why? And and I think I know what you're gonna say. Mm-hmm. And, and let me let me let me guess. Uh first, only 
where's the talent after the top end? Because, you know, when you look at Torvik's top 50 guys in the conference, you have Garza, you have Joe Wieskamp, Connor McCaffrey, who else is on this team? And then the classic question about Iowa, who's playing defense? <laughs> no one wearing Hawkeye black and gold, I'll tell you that. They, the I only mean, they... defense they're going to play is poking people in the eye. <laughs> yeah, but it's a, it's a valid question. Now, if Luca Garza comes back, uh, you know, I think Fran McCaffrey might be saying, well, we don't have to play defense. <laughs> we'll, we'll just, we're Loyola Marymount, everyone, and just, you know, score a thousand points and uh, and beat teams in the track meet. And, and a lot of teams they'll be able to do that uh, against because they are, they are that good. Think about, think about a couple of things. Number one, if Luca Garza comes back, he has been through a season where he has been the guy. Where, where they have, teams have, you know, impressed upon their players, their, their rosters, that this is the guy we have to stop. And he's been able to play through and over that. So he, he'll come, he had to get there last season. He had to learn to do that last season. Now he already knows he can do it. Uh, and, and, and I think that'll have him hit the ground running this season. But they had to also play without Jordan Bohannon. And I think that is a huge, huge addition Back to the back to the puzzle. I know they played with him for a, a period of time last year, uh, but him going back on the shelf, uh, you know, to to preserve that red shirt uh, to become fully recovered from that injury, I think is another big deal uh, for them. And now you you're going to have the benefit of great chemistry already established across the board with that team, as you said, from Bohannon to Frederick to Connor McCaffrey and Joe Wieskamp, who I love, who I think is a a guy who is poised to really take his scoring to another level. I just think there is so much offense. I'm not even concerned with what's on the rest of the roster. You aren't going to sit all five of those guys at one time. As long <laughs> as you have one or, one or two of them on the floor, you, you're not going to have an offensive issue. The issue for them is who's going to play D? Can you guard? And I just don't – I haven't seen it. I think it's a valid question. It's why, you know, talent-wise, you look at it and say Iowa should be number one in the Big Ten. But I don't have enough on wax, enough on tape to put them ahead of a team in Wisconsin who I know is going to guard you, who I know has some, some, some offensive mismatch sort of ability with five shooters on the floor. And Greg Gard, who's already proven a lot to me in his very short stint as a head coach, I have Wisconsin as the number one team in the Big Ten because they've proven more to me than Iowa has on both ends of the floor. I love that when you, I was literally about to ask, so who do you have between the two? And, and you knew, you knew, you knew what to say. And it's, and it's also funny that you bring up Bohannon because, you know, as much as people talked about Perry Ellis as the guy who was in college forever, I really think of the big 10 as the conference of that guy who's been in college forever and Bohannon. I just feel like he's been in college since I was in middle school. <laughs> well, Hey man, there's a guy at Michigan state. I think that that will take the cake. I think he's probably like 35 if he comes back to play for Michigan State next year. Yeah, and who's that? Let's let's go right there. Yeah, so we'll go we'll go right to Michigan State and a big question is will Joshua Langford. You know, and Michigan fans, you know, Michigan fans know him very well not be, just because he was uh he's played at Michigan State for all these years, but because Michigan was very much in the Josh Langford recruitment. Uh, I think Michigan led, was on the verge of getting Josh Langford before they picked up a, a kid named Tyus Battle. So, uh, you know, know him very well. He's been around for a long time, but he has been 
uh, beset with the injury, beset by injury here the last couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he missed a couple of seasons ago. He he went out a couple of seasons ago at about the midway point uh, with a foot injury. Was supposed to come back last year, and before the season began, uh, Tom Izzo announced that he had another setback, and it was likely the end of his career. But just a couple of months ago, Tanny Tom Izzo came back and said, you know, if he's healthy, hope is that he'll play for Michigan State, which would be Huge. You got a two-way player. Uh, he can uh, he can shoot it, uh, but he can really guard you, gives you a great perimeter defender, gives you a lot of experience on a team uh, with a backcourt that, you know, while they have shown some strides, I thought Rocket Watts really came on last year as a freshman. Gabe Brown uh, is a guy that gives you some, some athleticism and some better shooting than I anticipated. You know, a former kid from, from Belleville, Michigan. And then Aaron Henry, a guy who I thought was going to take a step next last year and really didn't. If you get Josh Langford back, it takes a lot of pressure off of all of those guys. Gives Tom Izzo a coach on the floor as well. Let, let me cut you off, though, because I see Michigan State as a, a team where it's like, what what do I know? Because I don't feel like I know what I'm going to get from Langford if he comes back because he's been out for two years, because he's been hurt by injuries. And when you talk about foot injuries, those could often hamper a guy for the rest of his career. Yeah. And then when you look at draft decisions with Xavier Tillman and Aaron Henry, who even knows right now if those guys are coming back. And so what I do know, we got Rocket Watch, we got Joey Hauser transfer, we got mm-hmm. Gabe Brown, and we got Tom Izzo. And for me, I, I don't know about you, but it all comes down to that last name. It's Tom Izzo. Until I see on like until I see the season is over and he is outside the top third of the Big Ten, I'm not going to assume that Michigan State is going to be outside the top three and of they the Big Ten. Be. They won't be. I understand that you, you. I get that you don't know who's going to give you that that scoring punch, but the, that's the you know that's the part if. If you're a Michigan State fan or a Big Ten fan, you kind of appreciate that that there's a certain standard that they're going to play to. It might not be a championship level, uh, but it is at least, as you just pointed to, top third in in the Big Ten. I expect Aaron Henry to come back. I, I just don't see, I, I just don't see how he, you anyone, I don't see anyone projecting him to be a, a first round or even as I've seen seen him not be on draft board. So I'd be surprised if. If he stayed uh, in the draft, Xavier Tillman, though, I've seen him in some first rounds talking about a kid with a with a family, with a couple of kids uh, and a wife already. If he can get first round money, uh, you know, and it only takes one team to tell you you're a first round guy. I, I think that he'll go. So I'm I'm anticipating him probably going if he comes back. Uh, you know, that's that has the potential uh, to to not just lock them in to, to number three, but to really have them challenge because he's the one guy in the Big Ten who I think, uh, you know, if I if you say, hey, okay, I need one guy to guard Luca Garza, the guy mm-hmm. I would go with was Xavier Tillman. So absolutely, he would give you a shot. And like you said, Tom Izzo, I think guarantees you to be in the upper third at least of the Big Ten. Real quick before we move on, if if, if Xavier Tillman comes back, is there a single player in the entire country who's a better defender in college basketball? Uh, I, you know, I, I'd be hard pressed to come up with one. I'll tell you what, when there was a period of time where John Beeline and, and, and Michigan, they were having their way with Tom Izzo's team. They were on a great run. And a lot of folks point to a game in Ann Arbor 
not last year, but the year prior where Michigan State, where Cassius Winston blew up, had a great game as really the latest sort of turn in that equation between these two teams. There's been a lot of ebb and flow here over the last 10 years between those two squads. But a lot of people point to Cassius Winston's emergence as a guy, not just as a big-time player at Michigan State, but one of the Naismith candidates. What I point to as the bigger difference in that matchup was Xavier Tillman. Because, he, man, I got to tell you, Xavier Simpson was eating their lunch. Michigan's pick-and-roll game was so tough for Michigan State to defend. Uh, they just they, they couldn't do it. Uh, Michigan was having their way, whether it was – you know, guys there, last year, John Teske or Mo Wagner, any of those guys, all those guys were having their way. And it was last year, you know, a couple of years ago when they started playing Xavier Tillman. They started switching screens, and Xavier Tillman was able to stay with all of Michigan's guards, Tanny. He, whether it was Xavier, Xavier Simpson or, or you know, whatever, whatever guard that was out there, uh, they were able to, to really – he was able to really nullify – uh, Michigan's ability to get to the rim. Normally, a big guy is able to, you're able to beat that big guy off the bounce when they switch those screens. They weren't able to do that with Xavier Tillman. So he is, without question, one of the best defenders in the Big Ten and in the country. And if you're in the NBA, you're talking about being able to guard the pick and roll, being able to, to play guys on the perimeter. He is definitely a guy that can do that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, want, I want to step away from now this top third and, and, and step into the uh, confusing. Uh, mucky middle area of the Big Ten because I do think at the end of the season we're going to look back and that's going to be what's most interesting. And and I've got this whole uh, mishmash of a second tier here that that I think we can dig into. And and it is this second tier that I think will uh, prove to be the answer to the question will the Big Ten be able to be the number one conference in the country again? I've got and pick pick out one or two of your favorites in here. I have a feeling uh, I know one of them and maybe Mason Blue might catch your attention, but <laughs> Ohio State, Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, Purdue, and Rutgers. And I think some people will be surprised to hear Rutgers on this list, but that's a team that would have made the, uh, the NCAA tournament last year, team bringing back some serious star power. And, and so this tier, teams with – a mix of returning talent and some really solid recruiting classes, especially when you think about Michigan, Illinois, and Indiana, a lot of question marks on these teams, but a lot of potential. So on in, in this tier, where are you looking for teams to step up? So, so I'll, I'll focus on a couple of teams because we could talk for, you know, a couple of hours if we go over all of them, but I'll obviously start with, with Michigan. Uh, You know, one of the themes with them that is uh, pretty consistent with maybe a couple of teams in this group is who's coming back. And so you really what you're pointing to or who you're pointing to is Isaiah Livers. Does Isaiah Livers come back to Michigan? Now, you know, most people think the answer to that question is yes. There are still some uh, there's still some 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 question marks or red flags, however you want to describe uh, maybe some of the the reluctance with him from an NBA standpoint. Uh, but he has had some injury issues, uh, so had, wasn't able to make it through last season as the guy. You know how we talked about Luca Garza showing that he could handle the the pressure, the scrutiny, the attention from other teams as the guy. And I think that NBA scouts, one of the things that's really going to help Isaiah Livers' stock is when teams see him handle being the guy. 
when teams are focused on slowing you down or stopping you, can you still get off offensively, at least in the college game? He's a terrific shooter. Uh, you know, I think he he has shown some growth with his ability to put it on the floor. I think he's a versatile defender as well, but he has not been he has not shown that those things in a primary role to be able to lead the team over the course of a season. So that'll be a big question mark. If he comes back, I think Michigan has arguably the best wing tandem uh, in the Big Ten with he and Franz Wagner, who I think is poised to make a huge leap uh, in year two. The biggest question mark for Michigan assuming Isaiah Livers comes back, is in the backcourt, who's running the show? Can Mike Smith, the, you know, the, the transfer, uh, you know, from Columbia, can he make the transition from being a shoot-first point guard to being a pass-first point guard on a winning team? He's a shoot-first guy on a losing team. He could take a 1,000 shots. It didn't matter. Now you got guys you got to defer to. Uh, they're going to get, a, I think, a nice boost, assuming they can get Shondi Brown, the Wake Forest transfer. If they can get him eligible, he will answer a lot of the questions when it comes to the ability to get to the rim. But that's another big if for Michigan. So in the backcourt, can Mike Smith handle the load as a pass-first point guard? And can they get Shondi Brown immediately eligible? If they do, then Michigan, I think, is, is one of those teams in that middle tier that you can at least say, you know what, definite tournament team. But I really want to focus on Steve Peichel and Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Because you're right. Yeah, yeah, Teddy. Yeah, you're you're right in that there are a lot of people that will hear Rutgers and they'll say, ah, what the hell are you talking about? They aren't paying attention. They aren't watching the Big Ten close. They don't know that Steve Peichel has really, he, he, he has a formula and he recruits to it. It's about grit. It's about dog. It's about guarding you and getting in the opponent's shorts. And while they aren't skilled, they aren't, you know, tremendously skilled offensively when it comes to they don't have a lot of shooting on that squad. But, boy, can they get up and down the floor. Mm-hmm. They score a lot in transition. They score a lot off of, off of you know, they turn you over. Uh, and so when you look at what they have coming back, Geo Baker, you know, is he can he take the next step uh, as a scorer offensively? And then Ron Harper, Jr., uh, another guy, their their leading returning score. Uh, can he take it up a notch? If those two guys do that, you know they're they're the rudders. But I think where the excitement really comes is when you look at what he's doing on the recruiting trail, Tanny. You know, getting in that top hundred or even top fifty guy, it's a top fifty range, and for him to be able to go get Cliff Omori, you know, a top fifty guy. I think last time I checked, he was top fifty in our rankings over twenty four seven. Now you are getting to the point where it's not just a flash in the pan. And that's an instant impact guy uh, in the middle for them that should be able to come in and give them some quality minutes, be ready to bang in the Big Ten from from day one, and help solidify them as a tournament team. I love what Steve Peichel is doing uh, at Rutgers. I think he's going to have them be a relevant team, not just now, but also in the future. Wow. Can you imagine? Scarlet Knight fans are freaking out. And, and the, the stuff you started with, I love that because it really, sometimes you don't always have a coach with a style that matches the neighborhood that you're playing in. When you talk about that grit, that transition game, that hard nose play that describes this current Rutgers team, that really, in my head, matches that North Jersey energy that Rutgers right? has. Yeah, right? like that, 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 that makes sense to me. And Rutgers is in a tough situation in the Big Ten when you're up against these big boys. This isn't their neighborhood. 
a guy like Steve Peichel might be the kind of guy to be able to set them up to stabilize them in this, which I think hasn't happened yet since Rutgers moved over to the Big Ten, certainly not on the basketball side. And so interesting when you talk about Michigan, when you talk about Mike Smith, because some of the other teams in this tier, Illinois, Indiana, they're bringing in five-star guards. When you talk about Christian Landers over at Indiana, when you talk about Andre Curbelo, Adam Smith at Illinois, and when Mike Smith at Michigan is going to have to be going up against these guys, that's a real test day in, day out in the Big Ten. Big questions there, and I don't I don't want to uh, give no love to Ohio State. So <laughs> okay, Seth, I can talk Seth, Ohio State. Seth, Seth Towns coming in, certainly, certainly a big-time uh, addition to the team, a lot of returning talent there. Purdue, honestly, I don't know so much about this team, but I do think with a couple guys transferring out who made some noise that maybe Coach Matt Painter didn't like, I think it'd be a nice locker room year for those guys out in Purdue. Couple final questions, unless you had something you wanted to say there. Yeah, yeah, just uh, just to, just to, yeah, just to touch on Ohio State for a minute because I'm I'm a huge huge Seth Towns fan, going back to his days at Columbus Northland. Love what he did. Uh, at Harvard with Tommy Amaker. Uh, but, you know, just huge injury question mark there. I mean, just like with, with Josh Langford, uh, you got to look at, at Seth Towns, who hasn't been on, on the court in, in a competitive sense for a while now. Uh, you know, what is he going to be for them? If he's the Seth Towns that he was for Harvard before he got injured, that's a guy uh, that can stretch a defense. He can really shoot it. He can put it on the floor. He's a high IQ guy. Uh, as well, he hits the ground running for you. Uh, he'll pick up the system quick and and be a real factor, a double digit scorer. I'm I'm confident if healthy, but that is to me a huge if when you talk about Seth Towns. I, I thought Luther Muhammad's transfer was one of the more surprising transfers. Yeah, uh, in, in the Big Ten, I, I'm I'm trying to figure it out because he's he was a guy for them and was gonna be a guy for them. So I don't know what he was. What he was thinking about, I understand DJ Carton leaving. Uh, But, you know, they had the great fortune, uh, you know, Ohio State did, of, you know, they had already gotten C.J. Walker from Florida State as a transfer the, the, uh, you know, year prior. And so he came in and was ready to fill in the gap when when, uh, DJ Carton uh, sat out. So they're a team that comes back with some experience. Dwayne Washington is is a Michigan guy. I know he was in high school in California, but he was out in Grand Rapids before that, uh, here in the state of Michigan, can really, really shoot it. Another high IQ player, versatile guy, can put it on the floor some. So they have shooting, they have toughness. I love Chris Holtman as a uh, as a coach. You got a veteran point guard. They'll be a team, they're, they're a tournament team. I don't. I just don't put them quite on the level of, of Wisconsin and Iowa or Michigan State of Josh Lankford. Uh, is, is is healthy, but they're right there in that rung below. I think you, you position them uh, appropriately as that as that next level that next tier team yeah very very interesting to me i was i actually spent a lot of time at the beginning of last season looking at ohio state's play as it related to washington and i really felt like as he went so did the team and he was instrumental in that hot start he was shooting lights out hitting right. everything and then he kind of cooled off and ohio state cooled off so he's definitely a guy to watch for the buckeyes this year as we move towards the end, we've got this bottom tier, maybe the third tier. We got Maryland and Penn State, two teams who lose a ton of talent and 
really are probably the two um, in the conference, at least two biggest, most disappointed teams, maybe alongside Rutgers, that the NCAA tournament didn't happen. Also in this year, Nebraska, Minnesota, and Northwestern. And so do you have it among this team, this group, do you have any dark horses or on the opposite end of the spectrum, maybe a coach who, if he doesn't have a good season, might find himself in the hot seat? Uh, Minnesota. Uh, there's, there's, there's just no question that Richard Pitino, I, I think Richard Pitino, was not that you I, I need to figure out the, the appropriate way to say this. The, the, the pandemic is not there are no positives to the pandemic. Uh, but from the standpoint of job security, I think it was it, you know, it was one of those things that didn't hurt Richard Patino. Uh, I certainly think that he's a guy right now that when you you consider, uh, you know, a, a guy like Chet Holmgren, on the recruiting trail. That's something that could help boost his, his stature there. If he's able to land him, uh, if he was able to, to sustain some success on the court last year, uh, that maybe would have, would have kept the natives uh, at bay a little bit. But I think the folks in Wisconsin are looking around and they're saying, well, wait a minute, when are we going to see you turn the corner, Richard Patino? Uh, and, and I just don't, I really don't see it. I really don't see it happening this year. I mean, I, I love Marcus Carr. I, I thought that he was one of the better additions in the, in the Big Ten. Uh, as a guy, I want to say it was against Ohio State, he caught fire and uh, really shot the lights out. And now I think he's going to have more of the offense is going to really go through him. Uh, you got some shooting and Gabe Kalsher that should really, really help them. But, you know, the loss of Oturu is huge. And I, I just feel like it, it was an opportunity squandered that you couldn't make more of what a fantastic player he was. And I think that's what a lot of Minnesota fans are looking to. So if he can't get it done, if he can't get it done on the court, he better get it done on the recruiting trail and land at Chet Holmgren. And he's they're one of the final teams for him. So that is a big deal for them. The guy who I think absolutely should not be on the hot seat under any circumstance, uh, Tanny, is Chris Collins at Northwestern. If you're a Northwestern, you're a Northwestern fan, you're a Northwestern administrator, and you're looking and you're even dreaming about the, the possibility of moving on from Mike Collins, you need to, or Chris Collins, you need to wake up. Because you gave Bill Carmody all those years. I got into this with, with Tim McCormick, who, <laughs> and Tim, big time, I respect everything that he says, and I, he has his finger on the pulse as a, as a commentator and former player. He's, he's probably right. Folks at Northwestern probably are looking at Chris Collins and they're saying he doesn't get it done this year. He has to be out of here. Chris Collins, Tanny, got him to a tournament. Who do you know it with? Do you know any Northwestern coach that's done that? I don't. And Bill Carmody was there for like 14 years. He didn't get him, get him to a tournament. So I don't care if things have kind of fallen, fallen off a little bit here over the last couple of years with, with Chris Collins. You need to give him the opportunity to build it back up you know, I like the staff that he has put together. They will guard you, but it's going to take him a minute to kind of get a, a, you know, a nice sort of get in his comfort zone with the talent that they could bring in there consistently. I think there's a lot of ebb and flow to it right now. Just didn't have the talent level there uh, here last year to really, uh, you know, be a, a team to be reckoned with in the Big Ten. But give him a little more time. Certainly give him at least as much time as Bill Carmody got. 14 years is a long time. I, I mean, I, I knew this was coming. I knew I was going to enjoy it. 
I still enjoyed it more than I expected to. I knew that rant was on its way. I love it. Um, before before I let you go, last question. is: Are there any guys in the Big Ten who we haven't mentioned who you're kind of looking for? You got an eyebrow raise. You're like, I wonder what's going to happen this year. Uh, guys that I wonder what's going to happen this year? Or that you're excited for, either one. Okay, well, uh, you know, a guy that I'm really excited for is right here in Ann Arbor is is Franz Wagner. Now, I just, I, I sort of alluded to it, and maybe I should have spoken about him more. But Franz Wagner, for folks who didn't follow Michigan, uh, you know, I watched him, uh, you know, the summer prior to his senior year at the NBA Players Association Top 100 camp. And I was just, I was surprised by two things. By how willing to be physical he was, despite how slight he is, because he is a high-level rebounder to be a guy that was, what, 200 pounds, maybe? At, at six seven. he was even lighter than that at the top 100 camp, but he routinely was among the trees, banging around and, and rebounding far beyond uh, his size. But what his, it, where his skill set is really celebrated is his ability to shoot the basketball. But he broke his wrist prior to last season. So he spent, you know, once he, yeah, first of all, he spent the non-conference sitting out. Then when you come back, you know, you're, you're trying to get your, your your bearings, getting your shooting hand back together, right? And so he's, the whole season, he never was really able to show the kind of consistent shooter he he was for the entirety of his basketball life. I mean, if you watched him any, you watched any film, you talked to any scouts, which I did, talked to scouts from overseas. I talked to one of his teammates overseas and Derek Walton, who's a former Michigan point guard. And he said, man, Sam, he can really shoot it. He can guard multiple positions, and he is a dog. We saw him be a dog. We saw him be a rebounder. We saw him be able to, you know, guard multiple positions some, but just limited by his size. He's bigger. He's going to be bigger, stronger, and then never really having that shooting touch down to where we know it could be. And he's going to have that this year, Tanny, and I think you're going to see Franz Wagner have the type of season that has him enter the NBA draft and be a first-round draft pick after his sophomore year. Yep, yeah, uh, that, that makes perfect sense to me. Guy I've got my eye on, Trace Jackson Davis over at Indiana. You know, former top 30 recruit, had a great year last year as a freshman, but it kind of felt like he had to do everything himself last year. And when you talk about Christian Lander, a, a point guard with vision – who can be there to help facilitate things for Mr. Jackson Davis. I almost wonder if he'll be able to do more by doing less, if that makes any sense, because he'll have someone he can trust in the backcourt. He, you know, he knows that there's someone who can get him the ball when and where he needs it. And that's just interesting to me. I always feel like as a big man, if you're out on your own, you're kind of screwed. Like you, you're not the one bringing up the ball. I mean, this is, this isn't something new. This is, you know, what people talk about, but so for, for Trace Jackson Davis, a guy who, who managed to do a ton of stuff last year as a freshman with very little around him, Archie Miller came on 24 seven sports, social distancing, talking about working in zoom meetings with other coaches, talking about incorporating new packages. And well, I wonder what he's going to be able to do with his new five-star point guard and returning stud center. Yeah. I mean, Christian Lander, who I love as another guy who uh, Michigan recruited vigorously. I think they finished as the runner up for him. He actually grew up a Michigan fan, which, which makes that loss even, even more bitter. Uh, but hey, man, you, you wonder how quickly he's going to be able to get to the point uh, where he, you know, where he can really 
uh, run that team at a high level. Now, look, they, it's not like they have an alternative, so it's going to be him. Uh, he's going to be the guy. Uh, but my question, what I'm talking about is, you know, there's a difference between, uh, you know, playing the position and, and, and being really good at the position. And so mm-hmm. how long is it going to take him to be really good at the position, uh, especially being the guy that's running the show? Uh, is a big question mark for me, especially as a guy that reclassified. That's the yeah. other thing. I mean, he he would have a, another year of of high school to really get ready for this transition, but he moved his his timeline up a year. So, you know, does that mean that he's going to be less ready out of the gate? You know, that's a big question mark for me. But if if he can live up to that billing uh, in his freshman season, then you're absolutely right. Indiana will be one of the teams to watch in this conference. Well, that's that. We got a Big Ten preview. Honestly, jam-packed. I think we got a lot of stuff in there, Sam. Uh, something for everybody, I think. A, a couple of the previews, I managed to leave out a couple of teams. I felt bad about that, so I want to make sure we got we got all the teams in the Big Ten a mention. Look out for Wisconsin at the top. Assuming Luca Garza comes back, you know they're going to be in the mix. Michigan State, and then a big, interesting uh, uh, middle with a bunch of teams who could easily elevate themselves to the top. Sam Webb, he's prolific for the Michigan Insider. He's all over the Michigan Insider podcast. Uh, really appreciate you coming on the show, Sam. All right, Tanny, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. I hope you rate and review if you like the show and you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tanya Levitt, and for Sam Webb of the Michigan Insider, this has been the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. normal what's normal the paramount plus original series evil returns we've already hunted werewolves demons and now what a baby antichrist (laughs) prepare yourself you will not beat us for the end visions of hell make it stop make it shut up you're not gonna survive this evil the final season streaming may 23rd only on paramount plus